Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. Welcome in, fellow intellectual idiots, to a special edition of Libservative. I, as always, am Dan Griffin. With Corey taking a trip to the West Coast this week, I had a chance to have a chat that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Today I sit down with a good buddy of mine of about, uh, I don't know, 10 years now. Uh, the world's kindest, gentlest, Cuban baseball nerd, Roger Castillo. Roger runs a show called the Tigers Minor League Report, where he covers the minor league system of the Detroit Tigers, as well as the big club here in Detroit. Uh, and he also writes for Fansided.com, covering baseball prospects. If that description didn't give anything away, uh, Roger isn't really a political guy. And if I'm being honest, uh, that's one of the major reasons why I wanted to sit down and speak with him. Because Roger, to me, is America. He's the average, everyday American that is trying to pursue what he loves, uh, make a living, feed himself, his family, uh, and his little wiggle butt of a pit bull, Lucy. He's not terminally online, doom-scrolling for the next culture war explosion or hate-commenting on Occupy Democrats and Ben Shapiro's social media pages. He leaves that toxic behavior to me. He's just looking for leaders that actually represent him, not just the facade of representation that the coastal and beltway elites pretend to give all of us, while forcing propaganda about how your neighbor is a Nazi or a socialist as they steal your tax money and pay for never-ending wars so that Raytheon, General Dynamic, and Boeing, and all the others uh, can walk away with all the profits, uh, or government subsidies for multi-billion dollar corporations. So many of the people that you, the listener, or myself speak to every day at the store, or the bar, or the sporting events are just like Roger, and I know you all see it. But then we often return to our little dungeon and open up our Twitter or TikTok or Facebook and see that, sure enough, the world is full of transphobic, Nazi socialist, groomer, racist lizard people that are indoctrinating our kids and setting the world ablaze. It isn't real. People like Roger and your neighbor that you grill out with every other weekend, those people are real. With Roger being a first-generation Cuban-American after his father defected from Castro's Cuba, we discuss Hispanic politics and how polling numbers continue to show that Hispanics are continually more disaffected and politically homeless all the time. It's a demographic that isn't afraid to tell the Democratic Party that identity politics aren't what they care about, and their personal history plays a role. Now, before you lose your minds and accuse me of saying, well, Dan, are you telling me that Hispanic voters are right-wingers now? No, that's not what we're saying at all. And that's probably why you should listen to the rest of the episode. We also talk about race and how 
In Roger's experience, Hispanic voters don't relate very well to the pushing of identity politics. And the crazy idea that maybe racism isn't just a white European phenomenon. We talk about immigration and the contribution of the Hispanic community to our economy, both locally here in Detroit, and you can probably extrapolate that all around the country. Uh, and it's no small thing. So I'll end my rambling, and we'll get right to it. Please welcome my good friend, Roger Castillo. Roger Castillo, good to see you, my friend. I hope you are ready to be the Hispanic version of Larry Elder, sort of the brown face of white supremacy, because that's the kind of discussion we're going to have tonight. I never thought in a million years I'd heard that sentence just uttered. <laughs> I've heard a lot of things in my lifetime, but I've never heard that. Well, I bring it up because like, we're, we're going, I think a lot of our discussion tonight is going to be about the way that the Hispanic community, and not just the Hispanic community, but that's that's your forte, being, I guess, kind of abandoned uh, by the Democratic Party, but not just the Democratic Party, but also social features of the left. Because one of the big things you and I, Roger, have always had in common politically is that I think that you come from the left. And it's really, I've gotten really, really frustrated over the past, I would say decade, but certainly over the last five years with the way that the left has treated the working class, with the way that they've just kind of decided that, um, you know, black voters, they have them in the bag, right? Or Hispanic voters, they have them in the bag, right? Or, uh, you know, LG LGBTQ voters, uh, they have them in the bag, right? And they, they've gotten to this point where they don't actually have to do anything for you anymore, or they don't even have to pretend like they're going to do anything for you anymore. They just have to say all of the right things. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is too, it's one of those things where as far as I don't really know how to identify with that anymore, it's kind of a, a situation where growing like growing up, it was just kind of a even, politics wasn't really discussed in our house. Um, it was one of those things that as I got older and, and more informed and, you know, remember the whole rock to vote thing on MTV and all those things were going to pop culture. I had to really kind of find my way because my parents won't really, they didn't, we never talk politics at the table. I don't do it very often outside of yourself and a couple others. I really don't talk politics with people because my father always said, because my father coming from Cuba being, you know, being a communist country, he didn't really want to talk about it because it came with a lot of, of course, the red scare and all that stuff. And so it came with a stereotype and uh, yeah, it was just, it, but the more in the last 10 years, I have no idea what the hell's going on in there anymore. And I'm just, uh, it's, it's weird because sometimes it's automatically like, Oh, well you're, you're Hispanic, you're Brown. So you no, I don't, I can't relate to any of this sometimes. Because you're Hispanic, because you're brown, because you're a you're a first generation Cuban American with you with your dad defecting from Cuba, it is just automatically expected from the the, the coastal elites, from the, the the Washington Beltway elites, that your that your vote is automatically going to go to you know whomever whomever the the Democratic candidate is, and I think one of the reasons why the Hispanic community. And myself and lots of other formerly 
hardcore Democratic voters are at least questioning whether or not we want to do that again is 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 because of just the outright abandonment, right? Like, I I don't know about you, Raj. You're a little you're a little older than me, just a little bit, uh, just a little bit older than me. But I, the first the first election in which I was able to vote, or at least for president, was 2008, and I was absolutely thrilled to go to that voting booth and vote for Barack Obama. Right, go vote for the hope, go vote for the change. Right, everything's going to be fixed when this guy becomes president, and here we are. Uh, what are we? What was it? It's 2023. Whatever. 15 years later, and. Like how much has changed for the black community? How much has changed for the Hispanic community? Folks that I talk to anecdotally, it's like everything's pretty much either the same or in some cases worse. Yeah, there's, I don't think, when I think of the kind of things, I feel like sometimes it's just a token thing. It's like, we're going to have this because we want to represent the whatever population, black population, Hispanic population, whatever. But is it really identifying the true need of people? And it's sometimes it's people that I, I I can't relate to. I haven't related to anybody politically in a long time. Maybe because the elimination of the of the middle class. I don't. Know. It's just not relatable to me because I I can't relate to people who were just out of touch to me to to what I experience every single day. Everybody's different, but. I haven't been able to relate to anybody politically in a long time. And it's, it's strange because I thought that, that, you know, you think about your representation, it's supposed to be a representation of you. And it clearly it has not been. But you have brown skin, Roger. So Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be, you know, and the funny thing is, is that I just, I, I'm kind of centralist and I've gotten, I've gotten kind of crap for that, but I, I just, I, I can't be, I'm not anywhere far right or right, but I'm just right down the middle. I just let's call it the way I see it. You will not get shit on harder in politics than by saying that you're neither a Republican or a Democrat, or yeah. you're neither, you're, you're neither to the left or to the right. You're I, what I, I think I've gone over this word with you before, Raj, when we, when we've had our private political conversations, um, I don't call myself a centrist. I don't think you do either. I think you're looking for another word and I, we call it pluralism political pluralism not everything about conservatism is bad not everything about liberalism is bad not everything about either one of those is good uh but when you try to have those nuanced discussions with people they give you so much shit like i guarantee you you've had i know you said you don't talk politics a whole lot but i'm sure it's happened at some point where somebody looks at you they sees the color they see the color of your skin and they go and then you tell them I don't, I don't really consider myself a Democrat. And they've probably looked at you like a fucking deer in the headlights. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. Well, or even sometimes to the point of, I, I think that what has happened several times is that you're not going to vote this way. What are you, an idiot? Yeah. And that happens more often than not. Sometimes I think, and especially with my, even my family too, we don't really, we still to this day, we don't talk politics too much outside of, you know, there's been times where one of my siblings has got really fired up and said something online to Donald Trump and, and, and really made it known. And so you, you can you know where they stand. But I, my, one of my other siblings, my younger my younger sibling, he's pretty much 
like me, he just sees it the way called the way he sees it too. And to him, both extremes are uh, just much, but we, again, keep it at that. But there, like I said, I've been called a moron for throwing away my vote for not voting whatever way. Yeah. We get that all the time because you're supposed to vote for the lesser of two evils. If you don't do that, you're, com- you're completely throwing your vote away. And maybe it's as we've said multiple times on this show, maybe it's just, maybe it's time for everybody to start throwing away their vote. Because if everybody throws away their vote, nobody throws away their vote. Can you see you see how that works? So I, I guess one of the things I really wanted to bring up with you, Raj, was kind of the 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 political realignment of Hispanic voters. Because as mentioned earlier here, the history is that if you're not white and from the South, you're definitely going to vote for, or I'm sorry, if you're if you're not white plus from the South, you're definitely going to vote Democrat no matter what. And we're seeing this this realignment. And I'm not trying to say that like Hispanic voters are like going conservative or going Republican or going right wing or anything. But there are things that like the Democratic Party just is not paying attention to. And some of that is just basic polling numbers. So according to 538, as of May 23rd of this year, Biden's approval rating among Hispanic voters is about 42%. And that's pretty on par with his overall approval rating. Um, But that's down from 68% on Inauguration Day. Uh, Biden's approval rating among black voters is is still around the 70% mark. But a YouGov poll from late May of 2023 suggested that only 37% of Hispanic voters want Joe Biden to return as the Democratic nominee. That is right on par with most of his polling numbers. You have Miami Cubans and, and Rio Grande Valley Hispanic voters. A, a ton of them went for Donald Trump in 2020, like in surprisingly high numbers. Um to the point where uh, Maria Maria Elvira Salazar won by 15 points in the Miami district that includes Little Havana in 2022. She's a Republican. 15 points in an area that includes Little Havana. Well, that's them playing off the fear of Fidel Castro, who's been long dead. And and I don't, I, I, that to me, it doesn't make any sense. But it's just, you know, a lot of the fear, and you've heard it on the, the man or the person on the street interviews that it's we're trying to turn our society into socialism. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I can see to a certain extent, I can understand that, but it's a, it's a fear that goes back to their childhood when they came over from Cuba originally, possibly. I'm again, I, I mean, for the family I do have down in Miami, um, I'm not really, to be honest with you, they really, it's one of those things where, they don't have they don't care either way from it's from my from my understanding of it all. But it's every time I, I hear them talking or Cubans on TV about like why Trump this, why Trump that, it's a lot of them are business owners and a lot of business owners profited off Trump. So I can see why I mean I'm seeing it from that point of view. That's why. I mean they're, they're, they probably made a lot of money. Although the people who held the rally for Trump and didn't get he said he was going to buy everybody's lunch, and he didn't. He dipped out. Shocker, but you know that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's something that I've I've thought of for a long time with regards to Hispanic voters. As far as like a lot of these people, and not just not just Cubans, Raj, but like you know a lot of, a lot of folks that are coming from Central America or even South America. These are these are people that are 
they're fleeing socialism, right? They're fleeing communist, in some cases, dictatorships, but certainly uh, communist governments. And like, they're fucking terrified of the United States becoming a socialist country. Now, like you, I'm in the same boat as you, Raj. I think that's, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's something that the right pushes really, really hard that somehow if Democrats get elected, we're going to turn into a socialist country. When if you really pay attention to uh, policy, Democrats are pretty goddamn right wing. <laughs> the Democratic Party is, I mean, center right at best when you look at their foreign policy, when you look at you know, the amount of money spent on the defense budget, when you look at the amount of coups that we have been responsible for in Central America and in Europe, eliminating which side, Raj? Generally, the the left-wing socialist uh, government. Yeah, and another thing, too, is and I'm not in the minority of this, too. A lot of times, I think... Uh, it was something that I read in the article that you sent over, and it was just something I also found in my own research, that a lot of Hispanic voters think they're making race too much of an issue. And that's exactly, I mean, if there's one thing I know about my parents, and just talking to them about things, just talking about just general pop culture, whatever is going on in the world, the, the current the current events, if you will, it was always, it was race was always making, it was make a big deal about race. Like I'm not, you know, I think like it's just it's one of those things where, um, it was so important to have like it was mentioned. It's like, no, what are you gonna do for me, as a as a citizen or if I'm becoming a citizen? What are you gonna do for me? The whole idea of is pushed down her throat. Sometimes the narrative is rammed down her throat too much, and unfortunately, you know, it comes with like for example where I went to school. I would people say, well, you got in there because of affirmative action. Oh, well, gee, thanks. Maybe because my grades or whatever. And that, it, you get that token thing or you when you fill out in, in, when you fill out the uh, an application and they say, you know, we're voluntary information on your race. Why does it matter? Why do you need that information? As soon as I gave you my first name, you're going to know, hey, you're not going to be able to say it. And B, you automatically know that I'm not I'm not John Williams or Mike uh, Smith or whatever the case is. I just think that that's what really pisses off a lot of Hispanic voters. And in, in, in general, why is race such a big deal? Why can't they just come with issues that are important and, and trending? Because I, I it's it, like sometimes it just gets way too much attention, and I. I'm not for that. So you're talking about the like the push of the race narrative essentially from the left. Correct. Is 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 another thing that's kind of pushing Hispanic voters to the right. And it's it's so weird because like you say that like Hispanic voters are getting pushed to the right. It's like, are they really getting pushed to the right? Or are they just kind of getting pulled away from the left? You know what I mean? It's those are two separate things. I think they're getting pulled away from the left. I mean, I don't really to be honest with you, I don't really when the among the circles I run, which is really small with some of my Hispanic friends, I know for a fact that it's not it, when we do talk about the issues of the day, you know, universally speaking, they'll say this or they'll say whatever about whatever. There'll, there'll be there'll be strong stance. 
against something, but with a little bit of – sometimes it comes across as really strong. Like one person will say, absolutely not. I'm not voting for this person. And then sometimes it comes a little bit of nuance. And I, I find that most of, most of the time it's – they're like, well, I, I voted this way because of X, Y, and Z. So that's where I see a lot of that happening right now. And, and I think I think for cons- as far as being conservative – I think it depends on where you live too, and education level too. I, again, it's I think for for myself being a you know uh, first generation with a bachelor's degree. I mean, again, you, we've talked about this before. Degrees don't doesn't it doesn't make the person, but it doesn't make the education right. Exactly. But going, you know, my my upbringing and and the way I've been brought up a little bit gives me a certain way of looking at the world versus somebody else. Like, for example, who may have just c- came from. Mexico, Cuba, or whatever the case is, and they have their preconceived notions already about what the way things are. So it, I think that what that really makes the Hispanic culture in terms of a voting side of things really unique because they offer a different perspective than perhaps most. It sounds like kind of what I'm gathering from that, Rogers, they, they like Hispanic voters kind of offer they offer like this quiet nuance, right? Because you have the 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 I guess the kind of political society in which we live, it's like you have to be 100% for whatever candidate or 0% for them. Let's just take Joe Biden as an example. If somebody says anything bad about Joe Biden, you're either going to not listen to it, pretend it doesn't exist, or flip it on its head. And the same thing with if you voted for Donald Trump in 2020, right? There are a million reasons to dislike Donald Trump. There are a million reasons to dislike Joe Biden, but you pretend like those things don't exist so that you can be on that team. And what I, it could be because it's so important to be on a team. It's more important to win than it is to actually vote with principle. And what I'm seeing from Hispanic voters, from what you're telling me, and also from the really wishy-washy polling numbers that I'm seeing regarding Hispanic voters, is that a lot of these folks are still voting based on principle, right? Because one of the things, I think we've talked about this before too, Raj, one of the things that is a little bit more conservative about Hispanic voters and Hispanic community is that they, they, there is a little bit of religious conservatism there, is there not? I mean, culturally? Yeah, I mean, it think depends about all on... The, all, all the Catholicism within, within the Hispanic community? Yeah, there's some Catholicism with, for example, living, like, in this area with Southwest Detroit, you have a big influence with the Catholic Church in Southwest Detroit, from my experience, and kind of, I, I think it's almost... Like you see, that there, I think it was a large amount of uh, Latin masses too in some churches in Detroit and Pontiac too. I mean, it, what's weird about if you look at the map in Michigan, it's downriver that cities like Lincoln Park and Melvindale and Southgate are slowly but surely getting a larger Hispanic population because it's not just not just like just your middle class workers, your lower middle class. It's everybody with a, a, a diverse, diverse group of people. Like the younger people, who were the parents of immig- parents of immigrants, are now settling in, in the suburbs. They're not just going to Detroit or Pontiac. Now some of them are heading out to Sterling Heights, and in those cities like Lincoln Park, which was under a city manager um, in early about ten, I think it's about ten twelve years ago, and they've had a thriving, just like they have. Uh, if you go down Fort Street, they have 
Tacarias. They have, they, they're bringing commerce down there. And there is, there's more of a, if comparatively speaking for somebody who grew up in the downriver area, or went to high school out that way, that, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You had to, you had to go to Mexican town to find that. Yeah, now you those, find out in the those, suburbs. For those uh, out of state listeners, uh, Raj is speaking of. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. We're we're just talking about. We talk about Detroit all the time on the show, Raj. Don't worry about it. Um, but we're because it's where we live. But we're we're talking about Detroit suburbs. So Downriver is is an area that's that's south of the city, Downriver, um, which has been a really, I would say honestly, Raj, over the last thirty years, it's. I mean, it's been a predominantly white area. Uh, and up until recently, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, yes, predominantly white. You know, little little bit of little bit of black mixed in, but nothing really a whole lot outside of that. Um, and so, yeah, what you're what you're speaking to is is sort of like the suburbanization of of the Hispanic community because it's interesting. Like when you look at an electoral map, so many Hispanic voters, you know, kind of right along the you know the the Rio Grande Valley, that El Paso, Texas area. Um, obviously a lot in Miami with, with, with little Havana and like, this is, this is a voter base that is really extending itself out beyond sort of the, the metropolitan areas, right? Cause we obviously have a, a have, we have Mexican town in Detroit, right? We have, we have a heavy Hispanic population here as well. Um, LA, right. LA is, 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 a, is an area that's, that's sort of spreading out a little bit more. They don't really have a choice. There's 20 20 goddamn million people in, in LA County uh, alone. So it's, it is interesting. It's, it's actually, it's actually a, a something I, I hadn't really thought about, which is kind of the Hispanic voter base making its way kind of more into the suburbs. I'd be really, inter- I'm really interested to see how that affects numbers uh, going forward through these, through these next, I don't know, three, four, five election cycles. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I think it's because they, the growth in the suburbs, especially around here, has to do, they'll go. They'll go where the jobs are. Anybody, it, it, it's just a simple thing. It's not if you if, if somebody if, if one of your friends is like, hey, I'm doing really well in my business. Oh, I should come up there too. It's a it's a community environment, and a lot of the in, in, even in Southwest Detroit, look at the how Clark Park has grown. There is a well, it, it's grown. It, it's significantly a lot more. I want to say upscale, but more prideful than it was 20, 30 years ago. No, it's a nice place to hang out now. Yeah. Like, it's not, I it's mean, not like an area where you fear of getting a car jack. Yeah. Clark Park, like, Clark Park has evolved from being a scary looking place at night to one of the best looking parks in, in Detroit. And in got Detroit, the Red Wings playing alumni games there for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. I mean, no offense to the city of Detroit, but their city park system blows. There's not a lot of good uh, highlights there, but Clark Park is one of them. And that has to do with the mindset of the community. And I'm not saying that's because all Hispanics feel the same way. It's, it doesn't matter. It, they just, I, I think the suburb thing blows me away because for a while I was always the brown dude. I was always like the one dude that stood out like a sore thumb. Now I don't, I don't. And I, like when I go to the gym, it's, it's nice. I'm, I'm just like, wow, there's a, you know, I don't have to be the guy that people get a weird look at. You know, it's super, it only happens it's super now diverse. in Livingston County, so and, it makes sense. And that's that's what makes sense about like not just your frustration, but my frustration. I'm not allowed to voice it quite as much, Raj, because I'm a white guy. But uh, the frustration about like the the sort of cultural left pushing this idea that 
America is so fucking racist, right? We're so horrible and racist and we love slavery and white supremacy. And it's like, just walk out and talk to human beings on, on, on like a regular fucking day on a Tuesday in Detroit, for example, Raj. And it's like, you just, you don't experience that stuff. And I feel like voters and not even, not just Hispanic voters, but voters in general, I think you're finding more and more. I think that's one of the reasons why Joe Biden's approval rating is so bad and Donald Trump's approval rating is so bad. It's like, we're all so fucking tired of hearing this shit. The difference is that it seems like based on the polling numbers that Hispanic voters are actually expressing that at the voting booth as opposed to being scared and just voting for the Democrat because that's who they're supposed to vote for. We're tired I think it's of also, it. I, I think it's also because the, the way that in terms of college en enrollment and those things like that, they're Hispanics are growing population in the money side of things where we've seen that before with the Asian community and you've seen that out of the Hispanic community. It's not just, Hey man, we're going to be working long jobs and sh you know, shit like that. No, it's, it's, you're seeing more uh, on, on the professional side of things. I mean, it's still it, it, for somebody like myself and my, like my younger brother, very, very few Hispanic males have bachelor's degrees, but it's becoming a thing. They're still becoming business owners. They're becoming the, when I worked, I worked in the financial sector for a minute and working with some of the Hispanic businesses in Southwest Detroit and wanting to start things up. And they're a big reason why the Gordy Howe bridge is up so fast right now for those who do not know. Um, but a, they have a second bridge going up next to the ambassador bridge because somehow some guy named Manny Maroon was able to control and monopolize a bridge. And he thought that, Oh, I'll build a second bridge too. And Canada and United States said, nah, screw you, dude. Anyway, but that's my, my point is it is a, astonishing to me that the amount of growth in the, over the last five, six years and people just, again, just want to work and go home. They don't want to be bothered with this shit. Yeah, well, that's essentially how I think most Americans feel. I think it's why they're politically homeless. Um, so that actually it actually is a good place to shift gears where uh, to just talk a little bit about immigration. I don't know how you feel about immigration, Roger, but I get shit on from the left and the right with regards to immigration. I'm one of the I, I have a very libertarian view of immigration. I think that uh, we need more of it because. We are just like the other global superpowers. America is a country whose birth rates are dwindling. We need jobs filled and, and not skilled jobs and unskilled jobs. And the way I've always thought about it is that the United States has an advantage that places like China and Russia do not have, which is immigration. And so like when I hear Republicans and I mean, conservatives overall get on TV or, you know, write papers about how, you know, we, we need it. We need it. We need to be tough at the border. I say, okay, yeah, but that's only telling half the story. I also think that it should just be easier to get a green card in this country. It should be easier to get a green card. It should be easier to become a citizen because the only way you're going to supplement the fact that we're having less babies is to embrace immigration. And what, what I get from the right is, well, you're so you're for open borders. 
I don't think that's what I fucking said. <laughs> what I get from the left is, uh, uh, so so you, you you don't you don't think the dreamers deserve to be become U.S. I don't think I said that either. It's there is a there is a middle ground here, and I think ultimately it should be easier for immigrants to come to this country and work and get into the system and pay taxes like the rest of us and grow the economy. I'm just kind of wondering how you feel about that. That's what my parents did. My parents, t- it took them a long time to become American citizens, but they did it everything by the book. They were you know, aliens. They had the citizenship. My older brother, who was born in Spain, same thing. They all, they, they all went through the same thing. It took a while, but it happened. And so I think, I, I to me, this narrative that I, 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 maybe I'm missing this narrative, but it to me, ever since... DeSantis has become more part of the conversation. Him randomly dropping off immigrants, and then the mm. same people that the, the, they're figure. hiring them immigrants are like, "Yo, man, dude, our we, we can't. What are you doing?" Well, that's that's the nuance there, right yeah. there, right there. What you just said, Raj, that that is the nuance, right? Because you you have these these coastal elites that are tradi- that are typically liberal. Right. You have the Beltway elites. You have these New York elites. You have these Martha's Vineyard elites that sit there and they go, oh, well, we sh- we, we got to just let everybody in, man. We got to be a place of asylum. Everybody's got to just be able to pour over the border until Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, I don't think he did this in good faith. But Ron DeSantis, you know, takes a, a group of whatever it was, a uh, hundred, a hundred migrants and ships them up to uh, ships them up to Martha's Vineyard, which is, uh, you know, basically the the richest five block radius in the goddamn country or up there and they go oh we don't have the resources to take care of these people and that's yeah. where that's where we go dude fuck you like as long as as long that that's that's the issue that i think a lot of americans have with this sort of liberal elite which is like well we we love immigrants as long as they're not in my backyard yeah that's exactly what it is you i mean that, that's what i'm saying like, it's a lot of lip service bullshit to me like I just, I I don't find any of it sincere. Like I, it's like I'm saying, like I don't, maybe because I'm from the Midwest or whatever, but I just, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, man. Like it, it sucks. It, it's it's really really frustrating because I I just, I just I look at what you're talking about with the, uh, the coastal elite or anything when the, the way they handled it too. Oh, it's crazy. We don't have the resources. Ah. Odd, Milli- then, millions you know, and millions of dollars homes with just empty rooms. Like, hey, we should we should house the homeless, right? Well, here we go. Here's nope. here's a chance for you to do it. Yeah, not in my backyard. That's the issue that I think that I that 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 I have with coastal elites. It sounds like you're you're kind of on on the same boat with that. And I feel like that's like what we what we're getting a lot more with not just Hispanic voters, but like minority vote minority voters in general whose identity is being utilized by the coastal elite, by, by the cultural left to, you know, win elections and like push narratives. But like when it comes down to the actual substance of the issues involved, they don't want anything to do with it. If they did, I think there would be more of an effort to, uh, I guess, uh, I don't even know, like even with I know affirmative action just went away, but there is, it's not relatable. I mean, a lot of the times people can relate to, like you, you're gonna make a, meet a Hispanic person in Chicago versus a Hispanic person 
in Brooklyn, for example, that's there are two different types of people. And I mean, I'm not, I'm just saying that as just from what limited knowledge I have about it, but from my experience, like I to me, I, I think when you talk about the Midwest, us living in the Midwest, that stereotype about hardcore value, you know, and all blah blah blah. Some of it's to a certain extent it's true. But I mean, I think a lot of people also just do it for social media clout. Yeah, I'll support this, da 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 da. But it's all bullshit. I mean, honestly, I don't really a lot of uh, there's some people who are really good for the cause, but I find those people don't go about talking about it all the time. They just do it. There's a big difference with that. And so I, I struggle with that sometimes when I, I feel like sometimes people patronize me a little bit like, like, uh, oh, wow, you did that. Like, oh, you're a brown and, guy with a bachelor's yeah. degree. Wow. wow. Good for you, man. Uh, no, yeah. Or my, 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 my favorite is. You didn't. You don't sound like the way you look. What the fuck does that even mean? That's my favorite. Well, my my favorite question though is <laughs> this question is my favorite. Where are you from? I grew up here. I grew up. I'll say where I'm from. And it's not. It's not because that question's not. Where are you from? Knowing full well because Dan, did I ask you where you're from when I met you? Or, where are you from? Mm, yeah, you just no? assumed I was from the Detroit area. Yeah. Why is it like just so it's so bizarre or people were like, are you born here? I've had that. How many times has that happened to me? First question. Have you been born here? Born here? Well, who's that coming from? Is that coming from people that you would consider culturally left wing or culturally right wing or both? Both. Yeah. Both. But as I'm saying, like, it doesn't it. There is this like, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Growing up. There was I, I went to a private school. And there was a, a a dare officer, and dare you know the the, the drug program, what have mm-hmm. you. He had a last name, was Hispanic. I'm not gonna say what his name was because somebody might anyway. track it. <laughs> yeah, somebody might track it. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And I, he treated me like I was like I, I was trying to. Re- I thought it was relating to him because he had brown skin. I had brown skin. I and I was very. I was very like hyperactive kid when i was younger you talk about hair hair being now it was it was crazy i mean you know my my uh shirt was always untucked i went to a, a, a private school so i was in a uniform i always looked unkempt i was a hyperactive kid mm-hmm. and i was just looking for somebody that i can relate to and this guy treated me like absolute garbage and i kicked his car and some little punk ass kid from two grades down saw me do it when we were walking back uh from recess and he's like why'd you do that and i was like because you're fake I called him out on it. And it was just one of those things where I was like, and it was my first lesson of not everybody's going to be the same as you just because you speak the same jive. And it's, I I think, and I've talked about that. I've told this story before too. My brother and I, my brother, my younger brother went to uh, Wayne state university in Detroit. And we both got invited to a tigers game by a friend of ours. We grew up around the block with who was Puerto Rican. Now he was part of the first Latino fraternity there, and my brother, who if at the time had a had an afro or skater gear, I mean he wore Vans and he didn't look like your typical Latino. Our friend went. We met him there, and his entire row, we noticed my brother and I were looking at each other, and they wouldn't talk to us, but our friend was trying hard to interject us in the conversation and they weren't having it. Come to find out later, 
But they gave crap to my brother. Remember when they approached my brother to join the fraternity, my brother's like, no, I'm good. But it was because we weren't Hispanic enough. So what the fuck does that even mean? And this is saying like, that's why it's so hard for me sometimes to, I have pride in my, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Hispanic person, but sometimes it's hard because the, for whatever reason, I mean, like he would get questioned too, like uh, in his class. So where are you? I'm half Cuban, half Spanish. Oh, so you're Spanish, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, Spanish conquered Mexico, blah, blah, blah. And you get yelled at. It's like, dude, that was 1500 fucking years ago. What the fuck does that do with me? It's so interesting, Raj, because you and I have had this conversation in private before about it's something that drives me nuts, too. And again, you know, something that's tough for me to talk about because I have the color skin that I have. I'm not trying to play white victim here, but it's very difficult for uh, a white person to say that, like, racism is not uniquely a white thing. Right. It's not uniquely white. And that's that's. That's so much of what we see in 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 this society and our social discourse, where it's like, well, you know, racism. What's the critical race theory thing? Racism is uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, something plus power or uh, racial hatred plus power or whatever the hell it's supposed to be. And it's like, I know you and I have had this conversation. I've had this conversation with other folks that aren't white, and it's like racism is not uniquely white. I no, mean, it, 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 take take a trip to Mexico. And see how they talk about the southern Mexican folks, because they're not, and, and they're, and they, and if you put two of them next to each other, a northern Mexican and a southern Mexican, they would look almost exactly the same. I would imagine maybe the southern Mexican's a little darker, but it's like this idea that racism is is uniquely white. I think is something that's actually starting to not just frustrate disaffected Trump voters, white Trump voters, but. I, you know, you, you, you take it, take a trip on social media for a second and, and, and listen to black influencers, right? They're getting sick of fucking hearing about it. Uh, you've clearly made it clear that, that you're getting sick of hearing about it. You know, yeah. it, it's I mean, not it's, just a white thing. No, it's not. And this going back to the 1900s, you couldn't own land unless you were traced back to Spain. And so you're talking about in Mexico or I'm talking about Cuba and Cuba, oh, Cuba, you could not own land unless you're traced back to Spain. So I don't want to hear it. Like I just, there's some, like even there's parts when my, my brother did some sort of genealogy test, found out we had a lot of roots in Africa. Well, it makes, I mean, they, they're all slaves over the Spanish brought slaves over. Of course, there's going to be that element to it. And there was a discrimination with darker skinned Cubans that go back to when, and for example, there's some that played baseball but they were, excuse me, they were the lighter skinned Cubans that could pass for a quote unquote Spaniard could play. But guys, mm. but guys that were darker skinned didn't have a chance. So a guy like Yasiel Puig back in the day would have never had a chance to hell play. Hell no. Because that dude hell was no. dark as hell. <laughs> Even Levon Hernandez or somebody like El Duque, same thing. Mm. You're talking, it, it, it's really bizarre how it, it, that was then. So it's, no, you're right. It's not just unique to white Europeans. Yeah, white Europeans. Yeah. You know, if anything, you know, what's funny to me is that at times I've experienced more racism from the, uh, it's sometimes my own culture than white culture. Not to say I, I, I don't get me wrong, I've, I've dealt with both a, a fair amount, but sometimes. It's just, it's a, a clash of class, if you will. 
it's really and it's a, I think it to me boils down to simply this. It's a principle of if you have money or if you don't, it doesn't well, matter. You know, I mean, call call me a conspiracy theorist, Raj, but the when, when you look at the, the 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 social discourse around race in the United States, if you're terminally online, uh, if you're watching or, or you're you're you know maybe you're a boomer who's still watching CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or whatever, uh, a lot of what you're going to see is stuff based upon race and focused away from class. And the conspiracy theorist in me is going to say, wow, isn't that fucking convenient? If we're sitting here arguing about who's the most racist or why they're the most racist or who gets reparations or who doesn't get reparations or who, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's really interesting how that keeps us from banding together as a class as a class, regardless of what skin color we have and, you know, fighting back against, uh, against, against the elites. And I don't mean to say that as some sort of like, like I'm a fucking commie all of a sudden, but yeah, it's not, I don't think you need to be a fucking communist to understand that we live in a corporate oligarchy in the United States at this point. It's not that much of a democracy anymore. Like we have the illusion of choice, right? We get to go to the booth and punch our little ticket and root for our little guy or girl to win the presidency. But at the end of the day, they're all working for the same people. I'm not fighting for socialism, but what I am fighting for is just more fucking transparency in our democracy. And if we do more of that, as opposed to uh, arguing about, you know, uh, race and about whether or not Derek Chauvin is a murderer because he fucking was and things like that, uh, we we're gonna go we're gonna get a lot further. And them them folks don't want that. No, I don't. And again, I just I, I feel that sometimes there is and unfortunately for me, it's trying to find objective news too, and, and trying to find I hook you up. Yeah, uh, news sources because I got you. <laughs> there's sometimes where I'm just like, no, you know, like uh, for example, there was a great when I used to work in radio. There was so in Michigan, there's Big B Coffee. It used to be called Beaners, mm. and this is the time I was living. I was living in the west side of the state, and we did a man on the street thing, and people were, they changed it because it was a it was an offensive term. I asked several. Mexicans and they didn't know that was an offensive term until they were told it was. Until Carlos Mencia made it an offensive term. Well, the guy's a jackass anyway, <laughs> stealing jokes and stuff. But my point is, no. But that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't even I, I like we joked around about it, but we never anybody that I joked around about it with never really took offense to it. Yeah, I think you see that a lot. Like who who decides? Who does who? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I'm. Uh, I just had another example of that, like in my head. Oh well, I guess I guess it doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, Raj, I don't know if you had anything else that that like you wanted to finish up with. Um, this was a conversation you and I have been talking about having for for quite a long time, and you know, and perhaps. Uh, we'll do it again because I, I do find it interesting the political realignment among Hispanic voters, um, and I'm wondering if because my, I guess we maybe we can finish up with this. 
the the conclusion that I'm coming to is that essentially uh, Hispanic voters are like the only voter base. Uh, and I guess this sounds shitty because that makes me no, I'm racializing a voter base, but like they're like the only voter base that seems to still be sticking to their principles. Um, and when it comes to uh, Donald Trump and like the how how much of the Hispanic vote he was able to carry because he basically didn't lose any Hispanic votes. In fact, he gained Hispanic votes in 2020. I think a lot of that has to do with um, his, as, as RFK Jr. has been saying quite often, the reason people like Donald Trump is because he promised to break shit. And that's the real reason why so many people voted for him, not because they're racist, not because they're horrible human beings. They're just disaffected. And Donald Trump promised to break shit. Now, he didn't actually do that, but he did promise to break shit. Um, and I feel like there was a lot of that involved uh, with this particular voter base as well. You can correct me if I'm wrong. No, 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 you're absolutely right. There's a lot of it, even, like I said, the most common answer I always hear is he was different. He speaks mm -hmm. his mind. And it was it, it, across the board. It didn't matter who you talked to. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. And that's exactly what it was. People, that's what, you know, he, he speaks his mind and people were um, just happy for a change. They didn't want to, the quote, the drain a swamp thing. They just didn't want their typical politician. Yeah. Didn't happen. He still governed happen. like any, he still governed like any other Republican uh, in history. But like, I, 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 do you have any idea? I don't know if you have your pulse on this because it's really hard to find polling numbers on this, Raj, but like, um, sort of the, the, the RFK Jr. phenomenon. I don't know how, how familiar you are with him, how much you've been paying attention to him. Um, but he's, he's, he's basically running on the Trump platform of like, I promise to break shit. And you can tell that that's the case because the media is really trying to fuck with him hard. I mean, they're, they're trying to give him the Bernie Sanders treatment times 5,000. And I, I don't know if you have your pulse on like sort of how the, how Hispanic voters uh, feel about him. Um, but I find him a remarkably interesting character, even though I think he's a little bit of a loon. <laughs> yeah, from I, I've been following a little bit, but to be honest, I, I, he doesn't come across as uh, I, I don't know. I, I I know he's been very adamant that he's not racist, and 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 some of the like he talk about people smear him and everything. But uh, to me, the Kennedys have been this fault. Like the way I look at the Kennedys. It's the, the, the allure, how they're known as Camelot, all this stuff. It gets to me. I just, I don't get it. You don't and get it. No, I don't fine. get it. No, I don't. And I, I never have, never will. And I, I think that, again, comes down relatable to me. I have no, I have no type of relationship with him in terms of um, the way he's talking about, like, just in terms of how much he is complaining about lack support for his presidential campaign and just like this. Um, and all of a sudden too, like this weird, um, the democratic establishment fears that he has a path to victory. And it just sounds like Bernie Sanders all over again to a certain extent, doesn't it? It's just like, he's going to shake things up a little bit apparently. And they don't like that. He want to keep it as it will. He, he, he will. He's well, he's, 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 he's anti-establishment and that's really all you need to be. Uh, for the democratic establishment to 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 not like you um 
there are people that are arguing that that RFK Jr. is running in the wrong primary. Uh, I could, I could, I could kind of, I could kind of see that. Um, but it's, it's all you, you, you can tell that the establishment's afraid of him because it's everywhere you look, it's a smear campaign. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's an irrational smear campaign, and like I don't, I don't love, I don't. I don't love a, a lot of his of a lot of his views, but like I'll tell you what, he's got the right view on lockdowns. He's got the right view on uh, on the Ukraine war. Um, he's got the right view on um, getting money out of politics. He's got the right view on, um, I guess, doing away with the current status quo. Um, he's got some stuff that I don't I don't particularly like. I'll be actually really interested to see Raj. I'm going to keep an eye on sort of not just uh um not just hispanic voters but kind of various different voter bases minority voter bases to just kind of see where they are on him um because i'm not going to be shocked if we see a solid percentage of hispanic voters in this in this democratic primary voting for rfk jr and when i say a, a solid amount i don't think he's going to win this primary but my god if he could get 20 25% of the primary vote. I think that's going to be a good pulse or a, a good view of the pulse of the nation as far as like, hey, we're we're pulling away from the Democratic establishment. And I'll be interested to see how much uh how much Hispanic voters have a say in that primary vote. Yeah, I mean some of the things you like you just uh, I don't know, like the the fact that he's rallying all these conspiracy people about you know his COVID nineteen theory. It's like, oh boy, yeah. But he's he's right. He's right on some of that stuff. His vaccine stuff's a little weird overall. And I'm not talking about the COVID vaccine, but the just like all vaccines. Um, but he's a guy. He's a guy who's done a lot of research. He's a guy. He's, he's he's. I don't. I'm I'm not necessarily a believer that uh, all vaccines are bad. Um, but he spent a lot of time on it. And yeah, his big flaw is that he goes, he just does that whole, we'll show, well, hold on. Can I, can I do my, let's see, Bell, can I do my, uh, can I do my RFK Jr. impression? Hold on. Give me a second. <clears throat> well, just show me where I got it wrong. That's, yeah, that's kind of what he does. He just, just show me where I got it wrong. Without that um, heavy, without the Kennedy uh, accent. No, but he's, yeah, he's got, well, he's got an, he's, he's got a vocal injury. It's a vocal fry. He has he has severe vocal fry. No, he no he has he actually has an injury to his uh to his vocal cord. Oh no, I know what I'm saying that's what causes yeah. that vocal fry. If you will, kind of kind of makes a. Uh... Anyway, he's uh it's it's so funny because he's a guy who can't speak and he's going to be like the podcast candidate. So that's going to be interesting to see going forward. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to I've listened to him speak so much that it doesn't even really affect me that much anymore. But uh, anyway, Raj, uh, you're. Uh, as I mentioned in the in the pre-show, uh, you're a baseball guy. People are uh, I'm sure we have some Tigers fans that listen. Just I guess tell the people where they can find your content. If you're a baseball fan, this man here knows about baseball like uh, nobody knows anything else. So, Raj, tell the people where they can find you. So they can find a, they can find me at TigersMLReport.com. Uh, find us on YouTube, Tiger Minor League Report, and uh, find us on Twitter or whatever it's called now, X uh, Tigers ML Report. Uh, same thing on Facebook. So, and then I also write for fansided.com on the national side of things covering prospects. And yeah, 
Um, I'll, you can usually find me at America Park, uh, Fifth Third Field, Erie, West Michigan, wherever. We'll go wherever the prospects are, and we like to cover the big club too. So, uh, just did an article on the passing of Jim Price. Oh yeah, nice um, area. Pa- yeah, nice area. But he all it was just a, a iconic guy who really bridged over the era between Ernie Harwell and to Dan Dickerson. And so uh, it was. He was, you know, like I said, if you live locally, you know all his uh, Yellow Hammer, Texas Leaguer, Duck Snort, all those little terms. And so the Buggy Whip, yeah, Buggy Whip. <laughs> Donnie Kelly, baby. Like that was his favorite one too. If you're a baseball nerd, uh, Raj is your guy. Please, uh, please follow him. Listen to his stuff. It's not all tigers. He's, uh, he's all over the minor leagues, which is something that not enough people do. I don't think people cover the minors enough. So you find yourself a fantastic niche there, Raj. Damn right. Uh, but uh, again, I just like talking baseball and thanks for bringing me on. This is uh, admittedly a little bit out of my comfort zone, but, um, because I'm always really weird to talk politics with other people because of my minority, but mm. I felt like this was a, a appropriate place because, you know, it's not somebody yelling at me and saying, well, no, you feel this way. No, no. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. The, the whole, uh, well, well, what you're actually trying to say is like yeah. the whole, when people are trying to tell you what you're actually saying, yeah, like when, they, when, when people time. take like Bible verses from millions of, or, you know, thousands of years ago and say, well, he meant about this. He meant about current things. No, no. Knock it off. When people ask, when people ask going forward, Raj, if you are a centrist, because that's kind of a dirty word, tell them no, I'm a pluralist. That's where you go. That's where you go. Moving okay. forward. Uh, Raj, uh, really good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you for joining us here on Libservative. All right, well, I'll see you in a few weeks, sir. That's right. We the people cannot turn that.